Hello, my name is Choco. <laughs> Some of them are like, you might be Choco. I haven't seen that guy before. Who is that guy? Yeah, I'm Tim. I'm the pastor here. Um, uh, I'm going to introduce Choco live because I'm here. And uh, I'm going to Africa tomorrow, and I'll tell you all about that. I, I want to read your shirt, okay? Once our eyes are orphans, once our eyes are opened, we can't pretend we don't know what to do. God who weighs our hearts and keeps our souls knows that we know and holds us responsible to act. How's Raina? She doing all right? She's doing good. Okay. Pray for Raina. Pray for his daughter. She's been sick. All right. I wanted to read that because that's a part of what I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Okay. I'm going to Africa tomorrow. I'm going to Rwanda tomorrow um, with Rick Warren again and, and new pastors. We're like the poster children for, you know, getting to Africa and, and adopting a country and doing something about it. And I'm going to be meeting with the Malawi leaders and, and all those kinds of things are going on. But here's the irony of, of, of his t-shirt, of Jay's t-shirt. Um, it has to do with orphan care. I don't know what it is yet, uh, but I'm going over to Africa with a guy who's on the board of Hugh Jackman's foundation, uh, you know, the Wolverine guy, right? Okay. Hugh Jackman has a foundation for adoption. The reason Hugh Jackman was in Les Mis is because he wanted to play that role because he has such a heart for the orphans of the world. And Rwanda, if you remember me saying, is going to be the first orphanage-free country in the world by, by the end of this year. And so part of what we're going to do in Africa is we need like a cause. We need like one thing that we can all rally behind, and it's going to be orphan care. It's going to be taking care of kids because you know we do that at Parkview, don't we? We, we love the kids, so we're going to take care of the kids. So, I'm, I was supposed to preach this weekend, and Choco said he could come. I'm like, I'd rather hear from you than me. And I, I, am, I am preaching next weekend, and, uh, except I'll be in Africa. So, I'm going to shoot it back from video. I, 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 want you to, I want you to be here next weekend. It's going to be really important. We're doing a three-week thing called Driven, where we're going to talk about who we are as a church and what we're all about and get us set up for this big Life on Mission campaign we're going to do. And I just want to tell you, you know, before he even comes up and, and, and says this, uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff, just like this, this Rwanda-Malawi thing. I mean, a lot of crazy stuff that God is doing, and we're going to be a part of it. And we're going to be a part of it with Choco's Church downtown. And we're going to be part of it, you know, you know what? They're from the Assemblies of God. They're from a denomination. You know, we're not denominational. We're going to work with them. We work with Rick Warren. He's a Baptist. We're all going to work together because we don't care. We're just going to bring the cause of Christ, and we're going to take care of kids, and we're going to do the things that God asks us to do. Are you with me? Just say yeah, okay? I'm not going to preach your sermon, I promise. I'm not going to preach your sermon, okay? I met Choco with Rick Warren. We were at a Mexican restaurant, thank you, and we were, uh, we were, having, we were having food together, and, and I didn't even know him. I mean, this is, this is the silly thing about the way ministry goes sometimes. I mean, I didn't know him. He didn't know me. We, we're out here. He's in, he's in Humboldt Park, and, and, and we should have been working together, and, and like right after that, we were, and we are, and you know that we're involved together. Uh, one of the largest uh, Assembly of God churches in the, in the world, um, and, and uh, about 15, 17. 17,000 people that worship together down there, multiple campuses. Um, you, you hear us talk about it. I know he likes to downplay it, but Cover Time Magazine is one of the 100 most influential people in the country. Because here's the deal. Choco's Church is a, is a church that, yeah, they're a church and they worship, but they're involved. They stand in the gap. And people know that. People know who they are. And, and they're involved with the government. And they're involved with taking care of kids and single moms and all the things that need to go on down there. And, and so Time Magazine said, you know, this is an influential guy. He said, hey, my book's coming out on Friday. Can I, you know, can I come on Saturday and Sunday? It's awesome. He spoke at the 100th anniversary of the Assembly of God convention on Friday night 
in Springfield, Missouri, okay? That's a big deal. He's at the Leadership Summit for Willow next Friday. That's a big deal. These are places like they don't invite me, okay? They only invite really important people. So I just wanted you to know that, like, you know, if you're like, oh, I want to hear Tim, not Choco. No, you don't. You want to hear Choco De Jesus, my good friend. Will you welcome him right now, my brother? Thank you. Love you. Love you, bud. Oh, bless you, man. Hi, my name is Pastor Tim. <laughs> Pastor Tim failed to mention I'm now your, one of your associate pastors here at Parkview Church. All right. Seven people were excited about that. We're in trouble. I'm just joking. Hey, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I was here last night on a Saturday crowd, great crowd. I was here at 9 o'clock in the morning, and your pastor and I have become just great friends and just uh, joining together on causes because the season has come for us to get involved. No more. No more. Everybody say no more. No, come on now. Everybody say no more. No more sideline. No more getting fat Christians and getting the word of God uh, into us and then don't do nothing about it. No more being hearers of the word. Now let's be doers of the word. Amen. I mean, listen, I'm leaving back to Humble Park after today, so I'm going to come right after you all. Uh, I, I've come here to park you to disturb your spirit, to provoke you because people are dying without Jesus. And we cannot have this gospel uh, without sharing it. And Pastor Tim alluded to the, uh, the book, um, Amazing Faith and In the Gap. Uh, I, I wrote two books last, last year, Amazing Faith, uh, forwarded also by Rick Warren. And, and uh, if you're right now going through something in your life, in your business, and you're saying, Pastor Choco, my faith has been crushed. Some things have happened in my life. Um, but here I am. And, or maybe you feel like Job. I look to the left and I look to the right God and I perceive you not. Where are you? This book is for you. This is your book. Because only two times in the Bible is Jesus amazed. Watch this. Only two times in the Bible is Jesus amazed by the faith of an individual. Now he's amazed by their lack of faith a lot of times. The centurion soldier, he's amazed by his faith. The widow in the temple, he's amazed by her faith. You know, and uh, Rick Warren and Dr. Wood and friends of mine, they're like, hey, Choke, you need to put your story of Humble Park in the book. And that's what we did. And then this year, as Pastor Tim just alluded to, came out in the gap. We have a gap problem in our society. And today, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to provoke you. I'm going to disturb your spirit to get in the gap. Amen? Now, you need to help me. In our, in our campuses, pastors talked about, we run 13 services. I, I, preach out of, I preach four out of the 13, and I usually get to the congregation, and they're saying, amen. And so when I stay like this, you guys say amen. Let's practice. Amen. Uh, that's good. That's good. Uh, let's try it again. Amen. Now, we're going to do that a couple of times during my sermon, because I just want to make sure that you're saying, I got it. You're messing me up. I understood. Yeah. All right, good. Now, I also like to start my sermons with a joke. It's a guy who, his wife just left him. He was depressed. He's just turned 50 years old. He's depressed. And he said, I'm just going to go out and buy me a Corvette. I'm going to buy me a Corvette. And I'm just, it's a convertible. And, and he's just, I'm just going to splurge. And, and he got his Corvette, and he said, I'm going to see how, how fast it goes on 9094. And he got on it, and he's going 50, 70 miles per hour, 100 miles per hour. 
In the rear view mirror, mirror, he sees State Trooper. Pull over. Pulls over. State Trooper comes out of his car and said, boy, I've been doing this for 30 years now. I've heard all sorts of excuses. However, if you tell me an excuse I've never heard before, I'll let you go. No ticket. But I've heard them all. But I do need your driver's license, your insurance card. He takes the insurance card. The guy's in the car. He says, oh, man, I got to tell this state trooper I'm going to get a ticket. Finally, the state trooper comes back and says, okay, boy, I've heard all sorts of excuses. Why were you going 100 miles per hour? Say, state trooper. He said to the state trooper, state trooper, my wife just left me. She left me for a police officer, and I thought it was you bringing her back to me. That's why I was going really fast. <laughs> hey, I hope you get the sermon. Don't just rely on the joke. Amen. I said in the last two services, if you're visiting us here today at Parkview and you're first time here, this is a great church. We want you to make this your home and some great people here. And we just want you to get acclimated into the house, the spirit of the house of some great people. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word and the book of Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. We're going to have some, we're going to have a great time today. And right after the service, I'm going to be in the back signing books and and if it blesses your life, uh, I'll be back there. No matter how long it takes me, I want to be able to bless your life in Jesus' name. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 13. The Bible says, I look for someone among them who will build up the wall and stand before me in the what? Together. In the what? In the gap. On behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it, but I found what? No. no one. God himself said, I look towards Orland Park. I look towards the city of Chicago. I look towards the United States of America. And I didn't find not one person who would be willing to stand in the gap for orphans or for the homeless and the, or those who are disenfranchised. I didn't find anybody because the spirit of apathy. I pray today that you get out of your comfort zone and you live for Jesus, and that you put your life on the line, because Jesus said that if you lose your life for me, you found it. But if you preserve your life, you've lost it. You may be seated this morning. We live in a time, we live in a time of war, not peace. Hear me out. We live in a time of war, not peace. 270 million have died in the last 100 years. One million Christians have been killed since the year 2000. Do the math. That's one Christian every five minutes that someone is killed for their faith. We live in a time of death, not life. Every 30 seconds, a child is aborted somewhere in the world. We live in a time of death, not life. Every 10 seconds, a child dies of hunger-related diseases. One person dies by suicide every 40 seconds somewhere in the world. We live in a time of death, not life. We live in a time of injustice. 80% of the world lives on $10 a day. One billion people cannot read or write. 
One out of three people lack water in this planet. We live in a time of injustice. Yet God said, I look for somebody, anybody, a man or woman. The word here, man, means uh, ish. God says, I look for an ish who will stand in the gap. The word gap in Hebrew means I benayim. I benayim means in between two places where there's something that's broken that someone fills it and says, not in my watch. I've got to do something. God says, I look for a, a man, an ish, or an isha, who would stand in the Ibanayim, and I did not find anyone. A gap is a place of weaknesses, a place of vulnerability, of exposure, and danger. When we stand in the gap, our lives, watch this, our lives are exposed to danger. And we ourselves are vulnerable to attack. But when we stand in the name of Yahweh God, he is our protector, he's our rear guard, he's our champion. Amen. You believe that? You know, how many believe the Bible? You know, what, you know what's the problem with the Hispanics? Here's the problem with us. We believe the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Now there's a lot of things we don't understand, but we believe the Bible. That God says, I am looking on the planet to see who would be willing to sacrifice their lives. Police commander for the 14th district in Chicago came to me and said, Reverend DeJesus, we have a problem in our, in our community. I said, what's the problem? He says, we've arrested 600 women for prostitution in nine months. He said, Reverend, is there anything your church can do? I said, yeah, we can pray for you. And it is something Sometimes we as Christians, we use prayer as a crutch not to do anything. There's nothing wrong with prayer. We do that every Thursday at 5 in the morning in all of our campuses. We tell our people, let's go pray because we believe that prayer is a weapon. But today, you know, our prayer is microwave oven prayers, drive-through prayers. Jesus said, you don't have an hour to pray? Can't you just pray for an hour? And so I go home and I said, babe, we got a problem in Humboldt Park. They've arrested 600 women, unduplicated, in our community in nine months. And, and then I went to sleep and then I felt, and the next morning I woke up and I felt like the Holy Spirit was tugging in my heart and said, Choco, you need to, you need to buy a farm. By the way, my name, Choco, comes, is short for Chocolate. <laughs> yeah, and, and when I was a young boy, my uncles used to call me Chocolate because I love chocolate. And then uh, they said, Mira, hurry up, chocolate. And so I got saved at the age of 14 years old. And then the Christians in the church took the latte out and left it as choco. But praise God, according to Rick Warren, three years ago, Rick Warren and I were speaking at an event. Rick Warren says that he's the latte and I'm the choco. My real name is Rafredo de Jesus. Now, de Jesus means of Jesus. Now, you know, you know, I didn't know I was of Jesus twice. I like to go to Starbucks and order, you know, caramel macchiato upside down grande. And the, the young man behind the counter would say, well, what's your name? And I would say, Jesus. He said, what? Jesus. And he put it down there and I slide over to the end of the counter. And I'm with my son. I said, watch this, boy. Watch this. Young girl's making my coffee. She said, caramel macchiato upside down for Jesus. I tell my boy, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Jesus being mentioned in Starbucks. <laughs> hey, I'll do whatever it takes so that the name of Jesus be lifted up. Amen. Amen. 
And so I woke up the next morning and I said to my wife, I said, babe, I think God wants us to buy a farm. She said, what do you know about a farm? I know nothing. I'm a city guy. I don't know anything about horses and chickens. So I go to the church the next day, and we were a small church in Humble Park, 68 people. And I go to the church, and I said, church, uh, I, God wants us to buy a farm, and somebody here has it. Give it up. <laughs> My wife is the, was the worship leader. I said, come on, babe, lead worship. I did that every Sunday. Every Sunday, I would go up there, and I said, hey, someone here has a farm. Give it up. Come on, babe, lead worship. On the eighth month, you find a story in Amazing Faith. On the eighth month, a lady from the church came to me and said, Pastor Choco, my uncle of his wife of 42 years found out that you wanted a farm and uh, he's willing to sell it to you for 160,000, 15 acres. That was on a Sunday. The next day, Monday, I went over there with my wife and some demons, I mean some deacons of the church. I mean deacons of the church. And we went over there. We went over there and I said, I walked on the land and I said, this is the farm. Thus saith the Lord. And then, you know, the elders are like, hey, Choco, let's go to Michigan. Let's look at Wisconsin. No, I'm telling you, this is the farm, and I'm going to show you because God's going to give it to me cash. I'm not going to take a loan. Now, I said, how many believe the Bible? The Bible says that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I said to my father in heaven, you should know that my father abandoned me at the age of eight years old at a bar. I'm six in my family. I'm the youngest of six, like Gideon. My father just walked out of me, my family, in Humble Park. My brother was a leader of a gang in Humble Park. In the 1970s, Humble Park was declared the worst park in the nation. You would not get into Humble Park without being killed, robbed, or beaten. And he left me there. So since then, since I got saved at the age of 14, God has been my father. The Bible says that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I went in prayer. I said, God, sell some of that cattle and send me the money. I need 160,000. I don't know these women. I don't know these women who are being trafficked and being prostituted, but I knew that something had to be done. I just can't stay on the sideline. Why? Because with revelation comes responsibility. Once, look at me, once you have been revealed a need in your community, you are now morally obliged to, uh, to act upon it. You can no longer just say, oh, that's just sad. No, I have to do something. So I said to my church and I said to my wife, I'm going to run from the farm from Cambridge, Illinois, to Chicago, 180 miles. I'm going to run and ride bikes. And I said, babe, I'm going to run. She said, you're not a runner. You're going to die. And so, and so the church got really scared. And they got some doctors and said, listen, just follow him on a van. You see anything. And every two miles I was running and my children were there. Man, I took out like a jackrabbit. The first two miles my kids were there. They were giving me Gatorade. Go ahead, Poppy. You can do it. The sixth mile. Come on, Poppy. But around the tenth mile, they're giving Gatorade. Go ahead, Poppy. I'm like, shut up, man. I'm dying. <laughs> it took me three days. I did it. it. Took me three days. I did it. No, no, it gets better. It gets better. I go to the accountant after the three days. I said, hey, how much did we raise? He said, you want to sit down, Pastor Choco? I said, no, no, tell me how much. He said, well, uh, you raised 13000 I said, you mean 113000 He said, no, 13000 I left him. I went to my office because he's my father. And I looked at him. I said, are you trying to kill me? 
I ran for 13,000. And I had this discourse with God. The phone rings. Somebody from Lombard, Illinois said, Pastor Choco, I heard you have, a, you have a, a, a homeless shelter for women and children. I said, I do. He says, I got a washer and dryer. I want to donate to the women. I said, come over. He brings it over. Him and his wife sit in front of the desk. And, and he says, hey, how was the run? I told him the run. And I told him about the 600 women and the vision that we can do at the farm. And he's crying. She's crying. He stands up. says, Pastor Choco, I know we're in the month of December. But if you can raise 40000 my wife and I will give you $50,000 cash. And you know, hey, how many know when those things happen like that, you got to play cool. <laughs> like you knew like God was going to answer you. Like, oh, brother, thank you so much. I mean, just a few minutes later, I'm like having this fight with God. You, how dare you? You're going to kill me. <laughs> $50,000 cash. I go to the church the next Sunday. I said, church, I got to raise 40000 Somebody here has it. Give it up. Come on, babe, lead worship. Every Sunday, there's only four Sundays in that month, and I would go, I said, listen, we're short 32,000, and then December 9th, fast forward. December 9th, 9 o'clock in the night, we're celebrating New Year's Eve. I said, church, I'm short 10,000. I only got three hours to raise it, and somebody here has it. Give it up. Come on, babe, lead worship. At midnight, a couple of the church came and said, we've been watching you. We've been watching your faith. And we want to bless you. And here's your $10,000. To the glory of God. Since then, since then, 500 women have been rescued from the streets of Chicago, from human trafficking, have lived in our farm. When God's people, when God's people are willing to stand in the gap, a place of weaknesses and vulnerability, a place of danger, exposure. I've gotten death threats by the pimps because I'm taking their business. But it's not my life. It's, it's, it's Christ. A gap is broken up systems. And in our nation, we've got broken down systems broken up families, and God is saying here, in your community, is there anybody who has the audacity to stand for other people than yourselves? Eisenhower, president of 1950, some of you may remember, he was not very particular about religious things, but prior to going to the Geneva Convention, uh, peace conference with the Soviets, he went on national TV and he urged everyone to go to church and pray for peace. That type of gesture was routine back in the day, in 1950s and the 1960s. But I'm here to tell you, Parkview, in a short time, in a short time, we have gone from defining culture, we Christians, we have gone from defining culture and being the culture to being out of step, uncool, counterculture. I got news for you all. We're in the, we're in the minority. I know people say there's 160 million Christians in the United States. They're lying. There are more Christians in China than there is in the United States. Every day, thousands are coming to Jesus Christ in China. The United States is the second worst pagan country in the world. We, we one time set culture in the 50s and 60s. 
Most Americans, most Americans see you and I as very judgmental people, very hypocritical and moralistic. But it's up to us to start showing the country that we're people of love. We're a community of forgiveness. We're people of, of transformation. We're godly people. I'm reminded of a story in Chicago. In Chicago, a teacher in, in a high school took the Bible and threw it in the garbage and says, this is nothing. In front of the classroom, the teacher threw it in the garbage and one of the students went to my church. He texted his father and said, dad, you would not believe what I just saw. My, my teacher, the father called me. Said, Pastor Choker, you would not believe what happened there. I got in my car and went to the school. That's how we do it in Chicago. <laughs> I don't know how to do it here in Orland Park. I don't know how you all do it here. So I went to the school, I talked to the prince, I said, hey, we have a problem. Your teacher, da, 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 he threw the book and the, the Bible and the garbage, I want to talk to him. Now meanwhile, the principal leaves the office, I'm thinking, oh God, I don't want to fight. <laughs> I'm hoping that the teacher would say, no, it was just a math book or a science book. The teacher comes in, he was an atheist, he, he's a tall Anglo guy, and I said, hi, my name is Reverend DeJesus, take a seat. Said, um, I heard that you threw the Bible in the garbage. Is this true? And I'm, I'm hoping that he would say, no, it wasn't true. And he said, yes. I wanted to take him out. <laughs> I wanted to. And I went off. I said, how dare you? Millions of people have died for this. Who gives you the right? And I'm throwing him scud missiles. <laughs> And I said to him, because I'm a pastor, I'm going to give you an opportunity to repent. Now go back to the classroom, take the Bible out, and repent in front of your class. And I told the principal, you get on the intercom, tell all the teachers they need to respect the Bible. And gets up. She gets on the intercom, attention, faculty. Uh, we need to be very respectful of the Bible. And God said, I look for a man or a woman who will stand in the gap. And I didn't find anybody because everybody's trying to play it safe. I'm going to be very offensive. I'm going to, I don't care. God has said, I'm looking for somebody here to get involved. This weekend, we're trying to, we're trying to provoke you just to try it, to get involved in the church. And you're praying about it. There's a man in the Bible. His name is Nehemiah. You know the story. Nehemiah, he lived in Susa. And, and, and Nehemiah was by Starbucks, and Hananiah came to him at Starbucks, and he said, Hananiah, uh, Nehemiah said to Hananiah, hey, how's Jerusalem? Hananiah says, it's bad. The women are being raped. The walls, the temple is built, but the city walls, the people are vulnerable. How many know that with revelation comes responsibility? Once you have been revealed, you have to do something. If you're really not concerned about it, don't ask. If you're not going to do anything, don't ask. Because that question is relevant today. How is Orland Park? How is the schools? How is Chicago? How is Santo Domingo? How is Africa? That question is relevant for you all here today. And he was moved. Watch this. The Bible says that he went and he prayed. The first thing I want you to notice, that he prayed. Everybody say pray. He prayed for three months. And how many know that our prayer life has to be converted to actions? You cannot just 
pray about something. I like football. I'm a Bears fan. How many here, how many here, be honest, you don't know anything about football, the rules and all that, raise your hand. You don't, let me pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. No wonder the Bears are not winning, Lord. And, uh, okay, here, look at me, look at me. Here it is, here's the rules in football. There's 11 guys on one end that's called the offensive. There's another 11 guy that's called defense. The guy with the ball, he's called the quarterback. You see them in the huddle, and, and when you see a game, they're not just talking like, what are you going to do for dinner? What are you going to go over? Are you going to come to my house? No, no, no. What they're doing is, listen, here's what you're going to do. I need you to go make, do a post and kick it off this way, boom. And, and then according to the NFL rules, you got 25 seconds to call a play and then get your team on the line and call break. You know how long we've been in huddles as Christians? Two years five years talking big now let's talk about men's ministry here at Parkview let's talk about children's let's just stay right here but when 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 would you call break and do something Nehemiah knew that it was not enough just to pray it was not enough just to pray number two he planned he planned out a strategy he planned hey, you know I told you about the farm and and so I, I, I said, one of our ministers of the church, uh, she went on and, and I said, hey, I need you to go hire me five prostitutes. She said, you said what? <laughs> I said, I just want you to go find out what five prostitutes and ask them how much they were charged for an hour of service. She said, Pastor Choco. I said, just do it. Listen to me. Now, I know this is being recorded. Throughout this time, my wife is with me. The devil's a liar, Amen. And so she went out and she came back two or three hours later with five women, mini skirts, they're messed up, drugged up. And she comes to me and says, Pastor Choco, the one on the right, she's going to charge you 50 bucks. This one's going to charge you 35 and 40 and boom. It was about $220 for all five women. So I said, no problem. And I went to the first girl. I said, well, I heard you're going to charge me $50. Yep, yep, here's your money, here's your money. Boom, 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 we're good. And one of the girls said, well, what would you want us to do to you? I said, I want you to follow me. I want you to come with me. And so I took the five girls into the church, and we set up a banquet hall with candles and roses. And, and I sat each one down, and it, one, one at a time, and my wife was there, and I said to the five girls, I have you for one hour. I'm going to tell you about a man named Jesus, because no women, no lady... No five-year-old girl dreams about being a prostitute in Chicago. Something must have happened to them. And God looks for men and women to stand in the gap for these kids. You know what's the average homeless person in America? It's not 35 years old. It's not 27 years old. The average age in the United States is nine years old of homelessness. And God said, I look among them. And for one hour, we ministered to these women. And they were crying. He said, said Pastor, preacher, you know, no one has ever treated us this good. Here's your money back. We don't want your money. Some of them are now deacons of the church. Because someone was willing. Not only did we pray, not only did we plan on what we're going to do, 
But then we proceeded. Number three, we proceeded towards the streets. Every Friday night in Chicago, we go out. The women of our church go out on vans to go rescue women. They knock on doors of hotels by looking for girls who are being trafficked. I went to Pune, India in December, and they took me to the Red Line District, a seven-foot building or seven-floor building. In India, you need to know that if a man who has AIDS has sex with a girl who's five years old or seven years old, according to that myth, he would be healed. And they took me into this building where there's nine-year-olds being trafficked. I walked out. I wanted wanted to throw up. I think I lasted like four minutes in there. I told the tour guide because they thought I was one of the clients. I said, let's get out of here. How much are these girls? Let's buy them back. Let's give them a reason. And we started sending money from Chicago to Pune to buy these women back. Because it's not enough just to look at something and say, how sad. But the body of Christ must respond and fill the gap. And so we proceed every Friday night in the city of Chicago to rescue women and put their lives, women of our church, they put their lives on the line. The Bible says that Nehemiah, once he received He prayed, he planned, he proceeded. proceeded. Number four, he persuaded the people. The people of Jerusalem. I want you to know that from Susa to Jerusalem is 766 miles. It's no airplane, there's no car. He had to travel 766 miles to the city of Jerusalem. He had to sacrifice, he had to put his life on the line. So when you stand, when you decide to stand in the gap, be prepared to sacrifice. Who's the ultimate gap person? It was Jesus. Jesus stood on the cross between two thieves. That was a gap. He filled the gap. He came from his home and he stood in humanity so that you would have life. But once you decide to stand in the gap, you won't be popular. As a matter of fact, they'll probably try to kill you. Your family, and I don't mean physically, I, I, I mean they'll try to kill your reputation, your character. People started talking about, oh, Pastor Joko, he's busting all these prostitutes. Yes. If you go to Humble Park, you'll see, it'd be easy for you to sit next to a gangbanger, a gang leader, or a drug dealer who just got saved, and, and, or a prostitute who just got saved. And they, don't look, they don't look pretty. Some of them don't even smell good. But I want to be Jesus to them. To everybody, because he saved me and he saved you. Amen? Amen? The Bible says that he went towards Jerusalem. Now, mind you, when you do that, you're always going to receive opposition. Three things I want to give you here this morning. Three things that when you decide to stand in the gap, be prepared for people to criticize you and talk about you. When Nehemiah went to Jerusalem, he was confronted by a gentleman called Samblot. He was the governor of Samaria. Do you know that Samblot, his name means, may sin come to life. That's what his name means. It means to compromise. That when you decide to get involved here at Parkview, uh, the devil will try to make you compromise your Christian walk. And so it was with Nehemiah. There will always be temptation to quit. There will always be temptation to not finish what you start. Thank God for Jesus that he finished what he started. Number two, 
Another person he confronted, his name was Tobiah. Now this is an oxymoron because Tobiah's name means God is good. That's what his name means, yet he is a pagan. Tobiah is a guy who brings division. When he saw that Nehemiah was persuading the people to rebuild the walls, it was Tobiah's job to go by there and say, hey, why are you, why are you listening to Pastor Tim? Why are we doing this in Africa? Why are we doing this in Chicago? That's, that was Tobiah's job, to go around the people and cause division. Be careful. When you decide to stand for what God wants you to do, there's another person, watch this, there's another person that Nehemiah was confronted with. His name was Geshem. Everybody say Geshem. Geshem. Geshem's name means storms. Look at me. God never promised you a smooth sailing, but he did promise you a safe landing. We will all face storms in our lives, in our businesses, and in our marriages. Once we decide to stand for Jesus and to fill the gap, because there are gaps all over Orland Park. There are gaps all over this ministry. It takes over 900 people to make this happen on a weekend basis. We can't just sit and get fat and do nothing. I got to get involved. I got to stand in the gap for homelessness for these kids. A few weeks ago, we just had a back-to-school drive. We've adopted 15 schools in Chicago, some of the poorest schools where they don't have the updated computers. They don't even have laptops. And I adopted 15 schools, 6,200 children. All of them are my children. And I said to the church, every kid will get a book bag filled with school supplies free haircut, immunization, free dental, whatever it takes, we got to buy it. A few weeks ago, thousands of children lined up. Humble Park is 42% single moms. God said, I look among them to see who will stand in the Ibanayim, and I didn't find not one person. Let me finish here. Would you stand with me for a moment? Stand with me for a moment. Watch this. We can't hide. Look at me. We can't hide behind half-completed walls. We, we can't hide no more. The Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is power unto salvation. No more hiding. We've got gap problems all over this nation and around the world. And out of this church, men and women would be launched out to fill the gap. And God would be in heaven saying, and I found somebody from Orland Park, from Parkview Church. I found a young man, a young woman, a millennial who didn't play it safe. I like Forrest Gump. How many have ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? Yeah, in, in, I like Forrest Gump because life is like a box of chocolate. <laughs> in the movie of Forrest Gump, there is a clip where the reporter is just showing the, the damage of the storm. And if you notice, when he, when he puts the camera all over the shore, uh, there were boats upside down. They were destroyed. And then he says, but one stripping boat, one stripping boat. And at, at that point, Forrest Gump is coming right behind him on the, on the water. One stripping boat did survive the storm. Why? Here's why. Because he didn't play it safe. He didn't dock himself. And you can't dock yourself. 
Each boat there in Forest Gump represents people who said, you know what? It's just too risky. Too risky. Pastor Choker, I can't give up like this. I'm here to provoke you, to disturb your spirit. Listen to this. Let me finish here. Courage is an inner resolution to go forward despite obstacles. Cowardness is submissive surrender to circumstances. Courage breeds creativity. Cowardness represses fear and is mastered by it. Cowardness asks the question, is it safe? Expediency asks the question, is it political? Vanity asks the question, is it popular? But conscience asks the question, is it right? And there comes a time, Parkview, there comes a time when we must take a position that's neither safe, nor political, nor popular. But one must take it because it's right. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Today, with the permission of our pastor, no more, no more, no, no more playing it safe. How many of you here at the sound of my voice will say, Pastor Choco, you provoked my spirit today. Raise your hand. How many would say that? Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you, but we're not going to do it like we traditionally would do it. There's a card we gave you when you came in. If you raised your hand, I want to pray for you. I want you to get out of your seat. I know we normally don't do this. I want you to get out of your seat and meet me right here. Because this is what I did. 35 years ago, I lifted my hands. I want you to come. Come quickly. Come. I'm going to pray for you. Those who raised their hand, make your way. If you're in the middle, don't worry about it. You'll make people feel uncomfortable. Do that. There's no more playing it safe. I want people to know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ as we play this song. Come. And I'm going to turn it over to our pastor. Come. Make room in the front. Just come in. Come in. And I looked, God said, and I looked towards Olin Park, and I wanted to see and find a man or a woman, a millennial, who would take a stand, even if it's not popular, or even if it's not safe. I'm going to pray for you. People are still coming down. God bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. In just a few moments, I'll turn it over to our pastor, and he'll give more instructions. Those in the, right here in the hall, right here, thank you. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Those who came forward, right where you're at, would you just lift your hands? If you're in the middle aisle, wherever you're at, I know there's no room, but I'm going to pray for you right now that you become a gap person. No more. Playing it safe. Lift your hands. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed who's next to you, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. This is not about shame. This is about putting myself out there. We gave you a card that says, just try it. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, hundreds and hundreds of my brothers and sisters left their chairs and said, no more. No more playing it safe. I need to be in the gap for my son, for my daughter, for my neighbors, for my community. And I'll say like Esther, if I die, I'll die. But no longer would I play it safe. Bless them. Give them boldness. Holy Spirit, encourage them to be a voice for you. 
and to be a part of this move of this great church here in Parkview. I bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise offering. Our Pastor Tim.